0: protesters interrupt a marsha blackburn campaign event the most expensive statewide race ever and the candidates for statewide offices give their closing arguments this is the week of october 29th welcome to grand divisions i'm joel ebert I'm Joey Garrison.
1: And I'm Natalie Allison.
0: First up to bet, we have got to cover an event that I was at just yesterday. Uh, It was here in Davidson County. Marsha Blackburn was holding what uh, I thought was going to be kind of this unassuming. Lindsey Graham is going to appear and rally the troops and really kind of took a turn for a different, uh, you know, uh, affair after after about five, 10 minutes into the. The evening um, or the afternoon event, there were a handful of protesters who just got up and started yelling and interrupting uh, Tennessee Republican Party Chairman Scott Golden, and it just kind of had this uh, very unusual tone to it. I think it kind of uh, it, it erupted into chants of "USA, USA," very reminiscent of a Donald Trump rally. Uh, what did you guys think of this? I mean, this you weren't at the events, but from afar. This is kind of an unusual yeah, thing Yeah, I was for surprised Tennessee when I politics. saw your
1: tweets yesterday. I looked at Twitter. I wasn't expecting to see anything super interesting from the Lindsey Graham event.
0: I mean, you were at a, a Phil Bredesen event the day before, and it was arguably was nowhere near the this. The
1: more exciting <laughs> one, Joel.
0: Yeah, I mean, I saw your tweet from
2: the event uh, as it happened, and I immediately thought this is going to be a, a issue that the Blackburn campaign is going to really highlight. And sure enough, I think there was quickly a statement, uh, you know, uh, criticizing what they call the liberal mob. I mean, this it really ducktails really well with uh, the liberal mob uh, talking point that, that uh, President Trump has put out there and Marsha Blackburn has has um, used as well as, as they try to, uh, you know, paint Democrats the, uh, and Phil Bredesen is, is trying to tie them to a lot of the liberal activists that you see nationally. And so I thought it was, a, you know, not surprising that they would jump on it. And, and then also not surprising that, the the uh, Bradison quickly uh, tried to distance himself from these these protesters in a quick statement. Uh, from the, uh, themselves
0: and quickly uh, Bredesen's folks criticized and said that essentially there have been 37 events uh, that we have had bread or Blackburn protesters or some kind of form of uh, protest that at our events. Uh, I have not seen that. Uh, I've been to several campaign events. Haven't seen it. I think they were alluding to correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, trackers that were outside well, of events. There's this
1: guy who has been showing up at some Bredesen events, certainly outside of the debates also, he was outside of Bredesen's early voting restaurant thing. Uh, he did the the shredding.
0: Shredesen, what, yeah. what
1: did what did uh, Andy or Eric call it? Was it shredding performance art or something? Sure, like that? something like that. Yeah, he um, sort of waits outside outside of, the of Knoxville. Events yeah, and, yeah, so he was shredding them. papers and waiting on people to ask him questions. He showed up at the early voting lunch bash thing Bredesen did. Uh, I think holding clear trash bags full of the shredded paper. So th- this guy, I think it's the same guy they're referring to, has been showing up.
0: But at the same time, I mean, that's very different than disrupting a private event. Certainly. That's a, a fundraiser, gathering, whatever it was. Well, that again, yeah, yeah, the Ren brothers had. and people have, have pointed out
2: uh, routinely, regularly, since this uh, you know, story broke, that, hey, we have no affiliation with these people. But, you know, small things, especially when you're, when you're seven, eight days out from election, I mean, this can r- kind of really is a perfect visual for, uh, for Blackburn to decry the liberal mob. And so I would be surprised if this doesn't even, this doesn't make its way in a television commercial. I know they've, uh, been highlighting it, uh, you know, big time on social media. And I, I think there might already be some, some videos that they've shared. And so, I mean, what do you think? I
0: think one of the more interesting elements of this was you have protesters screaming out things like Marsha Blackburn is a white supremacist. um, and they obviously, the, the one woman that said that did this during a, a moment of silence for the victims of a recent shooting in Pittsburgh. Blackburn's really seized on that interruption. But I asked her after the event, you know, what's the difference between this type of protest or the protests that happened during the Brett Kavanaugh confirmation hearings and what you did in 2001 and, you know, fighting the income tax proposal And she essentially said, Oh, you know, we weren't violent. Uh, This was that, that was a group of well organized people. Well, if you go back and look at our archives, that's not true at all. I mean, there were rocks thrown into the governor's window. Um, there were, uh, from what I understand, Durin Cheek, who was a, re- a reporter for the Tennessee, and got punched in the stomach by one of the protesters. And uh, there was also, uh, I, I don't know if it was National Guard or state troopers, but in full uniform prepared for violence. So, I mean, it, it's not really um, an apples to apples comparison, but I think to suggest that, you know, that uh, the protests back then were not. Uh, vitriolic in the way that these were. Yeah, I hadn't
1: even heard of of that until I read your story. It was really interesting hearing that that had happened then.
2: Natalie, you did a follow-up story on, on, I guess, the fate of two of the people that were arrested. Can you tell who exactly were or are these Protesters, Can you tell us a little bit more about them?
1: Well, d- based on our policies of naming people charged with crimes, we don't typically do that with misdemeanors, but we did name Justin Jones um, He because he spoke on the record about it and he's a well-known activist. Uh, he and another woman were both cited uh, with a couple charges. For the record, they claim they were not there on behalf of Bredesen or the Democratic Party. Now, uh, as Joey can tell you, there's a photo floating around social media today of of Jones and Bredesen. I think they had met in an airport. So it's clear that he has at least met Bredesen before. Uh, but they claim they were not put up to it by Bredesen's people. That well, they the certainly DMDP wouldn't have wanted them to, know to, about know. It. <laughs> to do
2: it. I mean, so, yeah. Yeah, so basically, hey. they
1: say that they, they went in just with the intention, at least he, him and this other woman who were arrested, with the intention of just listening to Blackburn and what she has to say about people of color. Um, but they were actually asked to leave the event before it actually even got started or before they even made any kind of disruption of course other disruptions followed but they say that they were just asked to leave
2: why did they say you know there's been lots of campaign events over the course of this campaign why this one like a week out from the election did they touch on that at all well
1: they didn't say why this particular one um but i did speak with the tngop about their claim that you know, they were asked to leave before any disruption started and, and Ferguson said, yeah, they, they were asked to leave because we recognize Justin Jones as an activist who has caused problems at other, at other events before. and And they didn't want him to do that.
0: I'll note that, uh, Justin Jones was at the unification rally the day after the primary, uh, or two days after, I think it was, uh, where I was there and it was mostly just Bill Lee and his supporters. Jones was there and just stood there. He didn't, he didn't do anything. He didn't protest. He didn't yell out, but people were certainly keeping an eye on him. Um, we got to move on from here, but uh, you know, obviously, there was a, a the day before there was a Phil Bredesen event that you attended, Natalie. Give us an idea, a quick idea, what that was.
1: Yeah, it was really low key. It was a family friendly event. You know, people brought their kids there. Um, they got some free food. They heard Bredesen speak for just a few minutes. Um, the The whole thing was supposed to highlight Bredesen's efforts in helping bring uh, the Titans and the Predators to Nashville 20 years ago. So they did this at, at an event space at Nissan Stadium. Um, you know, he he encouraged people to go out to vote, and, and that was basically it.
0: One of the other recent developments was that the Senate race has become the most uh, uh, expensive statewide race in, in state history. Uh, a total of $68.3 million has been spent on it so far, and it's still going up. I, we've seen uh, so far, again, uh, the latest disclosures indicate $27 uh, million from just Blackburn and Bredesen spent and $41 million from outside groups. And that includes a uh, recent $2 million, I believe, dump from uh, Mitch McConnell uh, that you wrote about, Joey. Yeah, the uh, Senate Leadership
2: Fund, which is the super PAC uh, tied to... Majority Leader Mitch McConnell put in two million 2.1 million dollars worth of tele, mostly television uh, ads negative ads that are going to be airing over the last week to target Bredesen. and really I think that's a signal that this is hey still a very tight race and for them to to pump that uh, enormous amount of resources in here at this juncture th- that suggests that you know they think that you know this is is one that Democrats can still win and and one that uh, you know they obviously need to do more to to Put over the finish line. In addition to that, two million, and maybe it was in response to this. But Bredesen put in two million dollars of personal uh, uh, of his personal money into the campaign. That's now bringing that up to seven point five million dollars with campaign
0: was, loans. Yeah, that was in the four million. Yeah, now, a loan.
2: when the race started really last winter, he said he didn't imagine himself, um, you know, contributing. Uh, a, a, Personal money into this race, but now uh, he has loaned seven point five million dollars. Of course, there is a distinction between a personal loan yeah. and a contribution. So I suppose you know he could argue, well, that's what I'm I said. still following. I think that. I yeah. And so, anyways, I mean, I, I Brotherson heading into this race, we knew he had the uh, the deep pockets to to self finance a large portion of his race, and and at the end of the day, it looks like we're going to have at least seven point five million, and I wouldn't be shocked if that uh, increases. Uh, as uh, you know, ahead of November sixth.
0: Another quick news to highlight: uh, Donald Trump, the president, just recently came out with a proposal that it would essentially lower. He argued lower drug uh, prescription prices that you pay in the United States. Uh, the idea that he proposed was to invoke this most favored nations clause. If you go back and rewind about a week, uh, you would hear us discussing this on the podcast. Phil Bredesen had that idea. Uh, so it's actually an idea that, um, you know, Bredesen wanted to do. Uh, the president is, uh, adopting that plus a couple other things. Uh, so it's kind of interesting to see the timing of that. Yeah, um, but who had you- the
1: idea first? <laughs>
0: Yeah, surely Trump's not saying, oh, wait, this guy, this uh, happy Democrat in Tennessee well, is... I, I don't know. I uh, Bredesen's people say he hasn't talked to the president about this, but he wants to talk to the president when he arrives here or next time. Or maybe Bredesen like, adopted a, <laughs> an idea that's popular among
2: Republicans.
0: Or maybe, maybe he heard about uh, the you know the idea of floating around in the, the Trump administration. Um, we also have a couple other stories that you should check out. Uh, Jamie McGee recently came out with a story. She's a business reporter here at the Tennessee and came out with a story about uh, Silicon Valley. Ranch, which is Bredesen's um, company that he started right as he was leaving the uh, governor's mansion in 2010, early 11, uh, just kind of looking back at the history of that. Um, we also have profiles that Natalie and I did of the governor's race candidates, uh, Bill Lee and Carl Dean, as well as new stories about their views on uh, health care and school vouchers. Um, and and we finally, we went to
1: the candidates' houses for those.
0: <laughs> we we did, Natalie. I went into
1: Carl Dean's bedroom with his wife. Uh, she gave me a tour, <laughs> a lot of books in there.
0: I did not go into Billy's Lee's bedroom, but you know, I, I also didn't ask, so well, I <laughs> not didn't that ask you either. did. She
1: offered <laughs> this week on the podcast, we have with us. The chair people of both the <laughs> Democratic and Republican state parties. We have Scott Golden. He's the chair of the Tennessee Republican Party. We have Mary Mancini. She's the chair of the Tennessee Democratic Party. So thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having
2: us. Yeah, thank you. And we're one week out from the uh, from no- the uh, November 6th election, coming down to crunch time here. And we'll start with the U.S. Senate race between Democrat Phil Braderson and Republican Marsha Blackburn. Polls have generally shown... Uh, tightening race over the last couple weeks. Mary, we'll start with you. Who has uh, the edge right now as we head in uh, to Election Day?
3: The voters of Tennessee... Have the edge because <laughs> they're they coming out. They're well. They're just coming out in such large numbers, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, we've we've what we're, we're at like eighty-five to ninety percent of turnout in twenty sixteen, which mm-hmm. isn't isn't really an apples to apples comparison, right? It's a mm-hmm. uh, it's a it's a presidential year compared to a a, 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 a midterm election. So when you look at the twenty fourteen election, um, you know we're voting at at uh, like. 250, 300 percent of that election. So, um, you know, these kinds of uh, this, this kind of turnout usually means people want change. Um, and because Democrats are in the minority at every level of government here in, in the state, um, I think we can extrapolate from that that uh, that people want uh, a change and they're voting for Democrats. So um, but again, the you know, we have a history in this state of being of not having the right of turnout. So I consider the winners um, the people of the state and the people that are turning out to vote.
1: Scott, what is your reaction to that question? Who has yeah. the edge right now? We know Trump's scheduled to come to Chattanooga, most likely this weekend. Is that a sign that Blackburn is needing a little boost right now?
4: No, not at all. In fact, uh, um, I think it's a sign that Tennessee's well positioned in the country. And so when you're flying to out west or Florida, you uh, natural stop in uh, Tennessee and president loves coming to Tennessee. Uh, we had... 92,000 ticket requests when he was in Johnson City a couple weeks ago. The lines were miles long. So anytime the president can come and, and gives a boost. But Mary's absolutely right about the turnout. It is gigantic. Um, it, it is really good to see. Um, this is, again, we're, we're, we're really starting to look more at 2016 numbers uh, where Donald Trump got 1.5 million votes and Hillary Clinton got about 800,000 votes. So there was a 700,000 vote difference between them. And uh, so when you see that type of turnout, that's... Uh, you know that that 's a good sign mary uh,
2: sounded optimistic that those the, the high turnout is 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 are Democrats who are coming out and people mm-hmm. voting for brights. I mean do you have the same optimism that those are actually Republican voters in a state that has historically uh, of late been republican well
4: i w- I would say that there's uh, politics has gotten to a lot more science than it is in art these days, so uh, you have a tendency to uh know exactly. Which types of voters are turning out? Certainly when you look at the counties like Murray County, Williamson County, the collar counties around Nashville that um, are exceeding their almost exceeding their 2016 election. That's generally a good sign for Republicans. Scott, Congressman
2: Blackburn has spent much of the final week warning of the caravan of migrants heading north in Central America. Yesterday's rally with Senator South Carolina, U.S. Senator Lindsey Graham. Uh, He highlighted Kavanaugh and Caravan as some of the two uh, issues that has, have galvanized Republican voters. Bredesen says the caravan is not a threat, and then the Blackburn campaign kind of pushed that video a clip of him saying that uh, last week. Scott, is this group uh, of migrants an actual threat uh, to this country? and Why is this issue turned in uh, to Blackburn's closing argument here in the last week? Well,
4: I think it's a threat to our immigration system, right? I mean, this is either a nation of laws or it's not. So do we... I don't know many other businesses. If 7,000 people showed up at the Tennessee and said, give me free papers, you guys wouldn't be here all that long. So that's, I mean, that's what the argument is, is, you know, how are we treating our immigration system? President Trump has proposed a wall. Governor Bredesen's not for that. Uh, I think Ms. Blackburn certainly thinks that there needs to be reform in our immigration system. But just the fact that 7,000 people are going to show up and demand the same rights as the taxpayers becomes a very big campaign issue and divides the parties and the candidates.
1: Mary, do you think that fear of the migrant car- caravan is gaining traction in Tennessee, especially what Blackburn is putting out right now in her campaign? So I think it's, it's,
3: it's gaining traction with voters that are um, moved by that kind of fear-mongering, frankly. So let's look at the reality of the migrants that are coming here. Um, they are not at the border of the United States, uh, demanding to be let in. There is a process in place for people that are seeking this kind of asylum from violence and from, uh, you know, uh, the, the the horrible things that go on in their home country. There is a process in place, and they will have to go through that uh, that process, and it does take a long time. So let's let's talk about um, that caravan of of. Uh, of people are seeking asylum in, in the way it really is, right? That's the first thing. Um, the, the the second thing is, uh, let's talk about voting and the people who are voting. Uh, it, is a, it is a science. In Tennessee, though, we do not have registration by party. So the only way in which we can see, model who's going to vote is by who pulls the uh, ballot during a, a uh, primary, right? So um, uh, in some areas for a long time, we haven't had Democrats running at, at a level where people that maybe want to vote for a Democrat or, or you know, want to vote for a more independent minded person had any other option but to pull a Republican ballot. So it's really hard to model, uh, and there's several different models out there, um, to really look at who's voting and say they're definitively voting for a Democrat or for a Republican. So that's the first thing. Um, the secondly, when we look at, uh, uh, the, the, the issues that are most important to the people of Tennessee, what we're seeing now, as opposed to 10 years, uh, ago is that we're seeing that education and health care and jobs in the economy are the most important things. And that's what the majority of people are voting on. So
1: you're saying people don't care about this immigration issue? Do no, you think- I,
3: I think that there are people that care about the immigration issue and we should care about the immigration issue. And Democrats actually want to work with Republicans to fix whatever problems there are with immigration. We just don't like to demonize an entire group of people because they have brown skin, right? Like that's what we don't do. So we are actually looking to say, uh, you know, what is, what's the reality of the situation? Does immigration need to be fixed? Yes, there needs to be fixes with the immigration system. But just like there needs to be fixes with Obamacare, and all the Republicans did for seven years was try to repeal it instead of working with us to fix it, that's what we're what we're looking at right now. So when I say people are voting for health care and education they're, and they're voting for change, is because they want to vote for people that actually have said, we want to extend a hand and work with the other side to, ma- to actually fix the problem problems that exist, and you can apply that to any issue that you bring up.
2: Scott, Mary called it fear-mongering, uh, the, this issue about the caravan
4: that's being kind raised. Kind of raised. Would your
2: you, a little. Would yeah. you disagree with that characterization? Or yeah.
4: I mean, look, it's, it's happening on our television screens. So, you know, and I was thinking about the amount of fentanyl that's been taken off of I-40. Um, You know, everybody I questioned the other day, they said, well, this is not a border state. And I said, well, you know, we we are the major corridor east to west along I-40. What, you know, the the types of drugs and gangs that we've seen um, that have come out of, you know, from the border straight up through Tennessee, we we are on the front lines and we see it every day. And I certainly know our law enforcement sees it.
3: And and nobody's arguing with you that that doesn't Exists and that we don't need to fix it. The argument is, why are you taking an entire group of people who are, uh, you know, escaping a country where they do not feel safe to look for a better life so they can feed their children so that their kids, you know, won't be forced to join a gang? I mean, that's what these folks are looking for, right? So why are you taking an entire group of people and saying, like, these are the people that are uh, bringing drugs and crime to our, to, to the state of Tennessee and to, you know, Interstate 40? Let's actually focus on what the problem is, right? They are not the problem. You guys are making them the problem. TV coverage is making them the problem. And the language you use and that Marsha Blackburn and Lindsey Graham uses and the President of the United States uses is the fear-mongering language that causes this, this overreaction to what is actually happening. And by the way, does not help actually fixing whatever problems exist.
2: Scott, shifting topics here. Yeah. The uh, the Blackburn campaign and the and your uh, the Tennessee Republican Party led by yourself right. have quickly seized on uh, the outburst from protesters yesterday uh, at the Blackburn rally, uh, who who interrupted at the beginning of that. You've called them uh, quote the liberal mob, adopting uh, a phrase that has been put out there by President Dr- uh, Trump here in the final weeks of the uh, midterm elections. Scott, why are these, uh, you know, the very small group of protesters a big deal in this race, uh, you know, or is this no di- different than than, than the uh, typical type of protesting you see, uh, you know, at elections? Why why is this a, uh, an issue that you've jumped on here?
4: Well, if if you were at the event, you you understood that this was this wasn't just protesting. This wasn't people just saying, hey, uh, you know, chanting. First of all, it was a private event. The people that were there that chose to protest were asked to leave. They chose not to, and then ultimately had to be forcibly forcibly removed. Ultimately, there were arrests out of this. Um, I was on stage, so I wasn't. I couldn't see exactly what was happening, but I could see regular civilians getting pushed and shoved, and ultimately a looked like a fight between the police officer and the protester. That was there. So I mean, this was a very scary situation, particularly in light of, and you know, and the sad part was is that one of these outbursts occurred while Miss Blackburn was taking a moment of silence to pray for the victims of the tragedy up in Pennsylvania. And this—that was the moment that they chose to uh, yell and scream. And then, I mean, it was a—it was. I mean, I've I've done a lot of political events, and that was the first time. This this went beyond protesting. This wasn't people standing outside the the street and holding up a sign that says "I don't like Marsha Blackburn." That, that's one thing. That's political protest is fine. But when you go into a venue and then you start grabbing chairs or pushing uh, regular people there, forcing the police officers to take. It was a it was a pretty scary situation. So, yeah, it was it was it got a little out of hand, quite frankly.
1: Mary, of course, Phil Bredesen put out a statement saying these people should not have interrupted Congressman Blackburn's rally. What is the party's position? What do you think about what these people did? Uh, So I I agree, actually, I think that this was
3: a private event. And when they were asked to leave, they should have left. Um, I think the so the idea of them interrupting the the. I know this is a big talking point for the Republicans, right? The idea of interrupting a moment of silence shouldn't have happened, but that's just rude. It doesn't... Uh, rise to the level of being forcibly removed. Uh, And I was not there, so I didn't see what happened. I did see videos of it. Uh, It did look like the the protesters were being um, uh, hit with uh, flags while the crowd was yelling USA, USA. So I think what we really need to look at there is the leadership coming from the stage, from the Lindsey Grahams and the Marsha Blackburns that were actually on stage. And it, it what it reminded me of it reminded me of the 2016 presidential election when Donald Trump was at a rally for his campaign and there were protesters there and on the way out his his when the protesters were being escorted out his remarks were Hit them. His remarks were, "I'll I'll pay for your lawyer's fee if you get arrested for for pummeling the the protesters." Right. So what we're looking at is the reaction to this kind of a thing, and we got the same reaction on Saturday. Right. We didn't get from the leadership on the stage to try to calm everything down. Right. To try to quiet the crowd. To try to say, "Let them be escorted out." Right. We didn't see that leadership. We saw the same kind of exacerbation of this violence. Right. Uh, that we saw from Donald Trump, and and that's what. Is coming down from the leadership of the Republican Party from Donald Trump um, on on downwards. Language matters, right? Language incites uh, violence and it, it incites hate. And when we we look at what's been happening around the country, um, to not have that leadership from the Republican Party, I think is the saddest part of what we saw uh, happen at that rally.
4: And okay,
1: Scott, Scott. Yeah, you got to you got to respond I mean, there to that. Was a, well, as, there was a as, lot as the there. Leader so. In the state, all right. What do you think? There Did you were, guys do enough?
4: There were several different protests. The first two that that yelled out were, were escorted. Uh, it was the third or fourth that uh, started making a scene and... And I would say, Mary, you know, Mark Brown was tweeting images of it. So if you have a chance to take a look at it, that's uh, your 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 press person was tweeting them. So take a look at. I invite everybody. Go, I mean, it's online. It was on Fox News last night. The vid- the the footage of what happened. Yeah, Donald and Trump
1: let, Jr. tweeted about it this morning. I would Monday morning. I,
4: I would imagine Like I say, it was a fairly scary thing. Now that being said, about the language, it's not like if they they go low, we kick them, right? That's what Eric Holder said. Things like that. That we also and, – and, you know, Mary and I have been pretty frank with each other. When uh, a Bernie Sanders supporter shot uh, up a congressional ball field and wounded Steve Scalise, we both came together and issued a statement over a year ago and said this type of, of violence in politics is not to be in, tolerated. So – you know, we were there a year ago, and it's unfortunately, I guess, our words didn't really ring true because we're we're right back at it. So well,
3: we're right back at it, not you and I, Scott, but again, the, the language and the and the the um, leadership. Look, the president of the United States has the biggest megaphone in the world, and what we're seeing out of the president of the United States when anything like this happens is we're not seeing a a language that initiates a coming together or a calming down. What we are seeing is an incitement. The language he uses incites this. And Marsha Blackburn and Lindsey Graham did the same exact thing on Sunday during that protest.
2: Scott, I mean, it does seem, you know, Bredesen, in his quick statement, uh, following the the outburst, said that, you know, there's been 37 instances where uh, Republicans yeah. or, or supporters, opponents of him have interrupted events or, and i you know, I don't know if we have a video of, all, of each of those events, but, you know, in, in the context of, of Trump already trying to rally uh, supporters with the the jobs, not mobs kind of argument, I mean, was this a real gift uh, for Blackburn here in the final week? I mean, is, I, I or is mean, this going to be, you know, really not have much impact? Come, come I mean, election? I think it's
4: unfortunate. I mean, I don't think anybody's looking at that as gift. I don't think that this is where we want to be with our politics. Um, I mean, this was a Sunday rally at Ray Stevens' place off of Highway 70 in West Nashville. Not exactly ground zero uh, for pol- political debate, but here we are, right? I mean, you had 250 people there coming together, looking to have a good time on a beautiful Sunday afternoon, and, and the next thing you know, you're you know you're being trying to, you're being jostled about by somebody that the police are trying to escort out of a place. So I mean, it's it's unfortunate.
1: Before we wrap up, let's switch gears to the governor's race, um, if everyone is okay with that. Uh, Carl Dean has he's run an uphill battle this whole time. Uh, polling hasn't been great for him. Mary, what do you think? Is this something he can pull off? I think
3: Carl Dean would be the best governor that we could have right now for the state of Tennessee, and here's the reason why. Um, and I think, and again, this goes back to what I said before about the majority of people saying that the most important issues in the state are health care and education, right? Number one and number two. That's what the polling is saying. That's what people are voting on. When you look at the type of candidate that Carl Dean is versus Bill Lee, what you're seeing is, you know, Carl, Carl Dean is against vouchers, right? He believes in strong public school education and fully funding public schools in every zip code and not leaving any county behind. Um, he also uh, believes that we should expand Medicaid, Right. Which is something that Bill Lee has said on record. I am I do not want to expand Medicaid. Right. That is that is a that's almost malpractice coming from anybody that is running for governor, because we've seen what happens. Because we didn't expand Medicaid, multiple rural hospitals have closed because of that. 300,000 hardworking Tennesseans do not have uh, uh, health care because we didn't expand Medicaid. Those are our tax dollars that we paid into the federal government that are now going to other states, right? Kentucky, California, right? This was a program that was fully paid for, and we're not accepting those federal money. Our tax dollars back to the state to expand Medicaid, to keep rural hospitals open. So um, does does Carl Dean is, would yes, absolutely, because to answer your question directly, because what people are voting for in this state is they're voting because things are not working for them. Education is not working for them. Healthcare is not working for them. And that's why they're voting. They're voting for those specific issues. And those are the issues that Carl Dean uh, has said that he you know is the strongest on, frankly. Um, and Bill Lee is for vouchers, and he's for arming teachers, which in this world is crazy. Uh, and he's against Medicaid expansion, right? So yes, Carl Dean absolutely has a chance to win.
2: Scott? Um, as mary alluded to carl dean's used one of his final tv ads in this race to suggest that uh, bill lee i think the word is is extreme in this race cites his voucher support uh, uh, guns in schools as well as uh, medicaid expansion what's your reaction to that argument is that going to work in uh, a, what most consider a politically
4: red state here yeah. I'm. Look, Billy has done a great job. Uh, he brings a, a different perspective to government. Uh, there, I mean, has he's never been in government before, so he's the complete outsider. He's run a successful business. He's going to bring a lot of those principles. First of all, I mean, I think what people are going to be voting on first and foremost is the economy and how well the Republicans have done running the state. Um, Governor Haslam, in particular, has done a great job. Unemployment rate, the lowest, you know, obviously skyscrapers uh, going up in downtown Nashville, uh, all across the state, Tennessee, Memphis, Knoxville. So the economy has been great. Education has seen improvements. Um, I I think Bill Lee has lived a life exactly how most Tennesseans have lived their lives. I think he shares their values, and I think he's going to be a great governor for this state. All
3: and, right? I, and I just got to say, you guys have got to get out of Nashville because the economy is not working for rural Tennesseans. Period. Full stop.
4: Well, I live in Jackson, so I live in one of those rural areas, well, and and I would well, say that I am uh, I I, <laughs> I would, I've been in Huntingdon and Martin and all over. Uh, uh, Homeownership is down.
3: Wages are not keeping up with inflation. Rural hospitals are closing. The the economy is not working for rural Tennessee.
4: Well, yeah, there's been some good stuff done on the rural hospital. I would encourage everybody to take a look at Google some of those issues and because, uh, of course, two of those were in West Tennessee where they closed to or repurposed to and then opened up a brand new one. Um, I agree with you. Look, healthcare is broken. It's been broken before Obamacare. Obamacare made uh, insurance prices go. You know, Tennessee was one of the highest rising states in the nation. So, I mean, that's going to take a fix at a national level. I hope with President Trump's associated health care plans, we'll start getting better groups and the price of insurance will come down, therefore making hospitals more uh Li- reliable going forward.
2: All right, let's wrap up here, and we'll, uh, of course, wrap up with, with predictions in the next week. Who's going to win? <laughs> let's get you back I don't, the want, record I don't want just who's going to win. I want by how much, all right, for the uh, U.S. Senate governor. And give me one uh, race in the state legislature where each of you think uh, you can pick up a seat here.
3: Oh, um, so uh, I think uh, Bredesen, um, fifty-four. Uh uh Marcia Blackburn 46, Carl Dean fifty two, Bill Lee forty-eight, or maybe fifty-one, forty-nine. It's gonna be really close. Uh state legislature where we can pick up one. Mm-hmm. Oh goodness. House or uh, Senate? Uh, yeah. State it, House District 13. Knoxville. Glory Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely.
4: Um I would say Blackburn, fifty-three, forty-seven. Uh Bill Lee 59, fifty-nine forty whatever the other math works out to 41 41 is that it? uh predicting I, a blowout on that one uh yeah yeah i'm predicting a blowout on that one um uh, state house seats where we pick up is probably the uh, uh craig FitzHugh's old seat in uh, district 82 out in west tennessee uh but the house races are going to be really close i think we've we've talked on a number of occasions i think the one in nashville uh, the, the the retiring Bob yeah. yeah, I I mean I, that's going to be a Freeman. coin flip. It's going to be oh, an no. absolute coin flip.
3: No, no, Bob Freeman's going to
2: win that one. Yeah. Well, do you think that district? That's one of those sort of suburban districts, although in Nashville that you can pick again, up in the, It's
3: yeah, I mean it is. You know, it's also one of those districts again where people vote on on their values, right? And and education and healthcare um, and the economy is you know that's what they're voting on, and so they're voting for change, right? People want to see change, and that's one of the districts. And Bob for Freeman's
2: sure. pumped a lot of money in that race strong TV presence that I've seen and he's, and kind of, he, yeah. that and he's just a yeah
3: he's just a much better candidate than than uh, Brent Moody is I mean you know we, what we this is really interesting what we've seen um, a lot of the Republican candidates do right now is they're running on healthcare and education but the, but if you look at sort of what they've done and what they've said in the past um, it's exactly the opposite of what they're running on so it's it's um, a false narrative that they're creating Uh uh, and Brent Moody is right in there with him.
4: He's a doctor. I think he knows a little something about I'm not it. Say, I didn't. Say, I, no, <laughs> I mean, no, no. He, I he deals with it every day, Scott.
3: I didn't say he didn't know about healthcare. I said he's well, on the wrong side of healthcare. Well, that's that's the difference of opinion. That's
4: why we have we grand will divisions, see right? What
1: the voters <laughs> say. You guys Gosh, heard it here first. We could go on for twenty
4: more minutes. Yeah, Scott
1: Golden, Mary Mancini. We'll do it again. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having us. Appreciate it.
0: And finally, our weekly notebook dump. Edmund
2: Zagorski, who's on death row uh, for a 1984 killing of of two men in Robertson County, is now set to be executed by the state on November uh, 1st, that is Thursday, and he is chosen to die uh, by electric chair rather than lethal injection. That would be the state's first time using uh, the electric chair in 11 years.
1: Department of Safety and Homeland Security Commissioner David Perkey donated $1,000 to Bill Lee's campaign uh, as his department was conducting an investigation into a trooper who had leaked confidential information about Carl Dean to Bill Lee's staff.
0: The Democratic and Republican Governors Associations have recently ended their ad buys uh, for this year's gubernatorial election. Uh, The move essentially signals that it appears that they believe the end result is kind of near. Um, The Democratic Governors Associations still remain confident that Carl Dean had a a good chance, but the fact that they are pulling out their ads uh, may suggest they're putting their money in other races they deem more competitive. Finally, as we wrap up this week, uh, just a quick note, early voting continues through November 1st, uh, so make sure you go out there and vote early, uh, and if you don't, check out the polls and go to them on November 6th, Uh, that should be a week from today if you're listening to this on Tuesday. Uh, grand divisions which is released every Tuesday is produced by John Garcia we are going to have a couple of special editions coming up uh, we will be doing a special edition episode that will be the day before the election uh, probably going to talk about Donald Trump's uh, upcoming visit uh, to Tennessee to stump for Marsha Blackburn but also do a final setup it'll be a quick hit episode we're also going to do another special episode the Wednesday after the election so don't tune in on Tuesday we'll have have uh, new episodes on Monday and Wednesday of the next week finally you can uh, find us on iTunes wherever you get your podcast please continue to rate us uh, and please continue to send in your email or uh, tweeted suggestions or ideas to us uh, as we look to turn the next page of Grand Divisions uh, and you can reach me Joel Ebert at Joel Ebert 29 on Twitter I'm Joey Garrison that's
2: at Joey Garrison on Twitter
1: And I'm Natalie Allison. That would be at Natalie underscore A-L-L-I-S-O-N.
0: Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.